Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We'll rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Hanging with the Homeboys. In Hanging with the Homeboys, four friends get together for their weekly night out in the South Bronx. As the night progresses, things continue to go wrong that impact their ability to find a good time. With all of these troubles building on each other, they also find themselves confronting each other with some uncomfortable truths. Screenplay by Joseph B. Vasquez, directed by Joseph B. Vasquez, and released in theaters nationwide on April 5, 1991. Have you seen this movie? Have you heard of this movie before? Um, no, but I thought this movie was like Mo Money. I've not seen Mo Money either. Okay. And there is like a part... Like you got it confused with that movie? Like Yeah, I think I've seen this cover like at the video store. Oh, sure. Yeah, the cover kind of looks like Mo Money, depending on what cover you're looking at. Yeah, Yeah. and I thought it was Mo Money, but I mean there is a part in this movie that happens in Mo Mo Money (laughs) that made me laugh. And that that movie was what, 94, 95? Oh, 92. Yeah, so it was like a year year later. Um, That was more of a uh... (sighs) I don't know. That, that, was, that was more of a uh, feature. Like a, what? Mo Money was more of like a um It was like a studio. con. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I thought you meant, like, what was the premise. Yeah, I was trying to find the right word. Oh, yeah. This Mo Money was not um, an independent film. Whereas this... Was. This was, yeah. Um, we should say that it was... It actually premiered at Sundance... Uh, in January of 1991, but we couldn't find a good release date for any Sundance movies in 1991, like a specific day. Yeah, it just day. said January of 91. And, uh, and we, we did general. that for Daughters of the Dust, and so we're, we went with the uh, the actual theatrical release for, for our pop culture stuff that we're doing here. Um, so yeah, th- this was an auteurish thing. Uh, sorry, I detracted from your for you, from your mo money point. If you want to finish that up. Oh, I don't. I thought you you were just saying like you wanted to know the plot of mo money because oh. they're not they're different. Uh, yeah, I'll have to take your word for it. I'm willing to. <laughs> I'm willing to watch mo money. I'm curious. I mean, I, I mean, used this, to watch it a lot because it was on the, it was on cable. So whatever was on cable, I was watching. I will say, like, this movie was was very interesting to me. Yeah. Um, Not what I expected, because, uh, I mean, okay, you have two stand-up comedians as two of your four leads. Well, three, three, if you include 
John Leguizamo because he didn't he started off as like a I, he did his own one man like comedy show. Yeah, he's like he's like a one man show stage performer rather than yeah. like a stand up comedian. Like he doesn't have like a joke. He goes into characters and he does yeah, like more he, of like performance art stuff. Yeah. So, um, but it, yeah, you're. I mean, he has he got his start and notoriety from his comedic stuff first. Mm-hmm. And then you also have Mario Joyner, who was big in the stand up scene at that time, and Dougie Doug, who I. I know was part of the stand-up scene. I don't know how, how ingrained he was. I don't know how how much experience he had, but he was an up-and-comer. And so you have those three people. But everything I was seeing about the movie beforehand was talking about it as, like a drama, like almost like a pure drama. And this is a, a delicate mix. Of yeah. Comedy and drama. This is this is a good dramedy. Um, example. Gave, yeah, it gave me swingers vibes. Yeah, it's been a long time. I have not seen Swingers since it came out on video. But yes. But, I mean, obviously Swingers is after this. Yes. But on the there's like a tagline on the Hanging with the Homeboys, like the VHS or DVD. It says it's like Diner and American Graffiti. But I think those are just two movies that just, you know, it's about friends hanging out. Over the over, course of an over the course of an evening, and that's what this is. I think American Graffiti makes a little bit more sense because they are in the car; they're bouncing from location to location. Yeah, a just lot more. looking for. Whereas Diner is just. Pro- I mean, Diner looking is also for a place to party, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, and just sort of seeing where the night takes you in a way. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, American Graffiti is all about you know cruising around. Um, and Diner is more about the relationship side that we see in this movie. People having, like, occasionally deep conversations and then going on tangents and things. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely understand that comparison between the two. And it's a difficult balance because you have... I don't know. Like it, hmm. it, it's weird because it, it definitely touches on a lot of the racial stuff. Um, especially when you're talking about Willie, who is Dougie Doug's character. Mm-hmm who literally makes every single thing about race. Like, that's not an exaggeration. Basically, every single line that he says is like, oh, it's because I'm black, right? And, he, like, that's sort of like a recurring joke at a time. He's like, okay, well, it's because I'm black, right? And if I was white, you'd say this instead. But because I'm black, you're saying this instead. Mm-hmm. And he does that for every single scenario, every single sentence. Yeah, until he gets confronted later on in the movie by a girl that he hits on. And she's like, well, do you go to any rallies or, you know, marches or vote even? He's like, no. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, so you're calling me and Uncle Tom, but really, like, you're not you're doing not even anything doing to help anything. your own cause. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you, like, literally you just, you exist You're just an angry man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're blaming everyone for your problems instead of taking responsibility for your own thing. Yeah. Which is what a lot of the, pra- uh, a lot of the, um the friends say as well Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of their conversations but he doesn't take it to heart because you know it takes a while it takes like the course of the movie for him to take that to heart but aside from that there's you know little snippets of racial language racist stuff that pops up here and there Mm -hmm. um and it kind of just leaves it alone most of the time, which is interesting to me. It's not something that's as 
prominent and purposeful like what we saw in Jungle Fever or other Spike Lee movies. Um, it's been a while since I've seen Boys in the Hood, but we'll see that very soon, too. Obviously, that takes a very different tone as to how yeah. it handles race relations because it's talking about a very specific aspect of it. But I, I just thought it was interesting that it's just... It made it seem like what it really is to a lot of people in that it's just part of their daily life. It's just part of their normal conversation and they just kind of like let this stuff slide. Because what else are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like when they're confronted to the club, mm -hmm. you know, um, they're trying to get into this club later in the movie and uh, the racist bouncers are basically saying, okay, all of you need three pieces of ID. Yeah, and... One of them has three pieces of ID. Yeah. and Johnny, who's played by John Leguizamo. And then they seize the three pieces. Oh, well, these aren't valid. So any excuse to just yeah, not that lot them even in. Even though he, one of the pieces of ID is a driver's license, which is a valid... Yeah, and like all of yeah. them technically are, but like, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, but it's like that little bit of racism that's... They're right. ready for a joke to the audience, right? Like, you know, like, we're supposed to kind of, like, laugh, laugh at the situation at that, but... because it's, you know, uh, look at what they have to deal with. I mean, like, I'm not laughing. Bullshit did... the, the world is at times. Yeah, I'm, I wasn't laughing that part. I mean, there's a lot of parts that are funny. But I think that it is meant to be a joke, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like, oh, look at how... Yeah, look these Look at how shitty and racist out. this this dickhead is. And, like, that's that's the joke. And they even... But they do joke amongst themselves. Like, even, like, a letter yeah. from God won't let us in, you know? Right, yeah. Like, they understand, like, because the, all they like can they're... do is laugh because they can't control the situation. Yeah. And I think that's what the movie does to portray a lot of these situations. Like, well, we can't, you know, we can't actively change anything in this moment, so let's just laugh to let it roll off our shoulders. Um, and it's an interesting perspective that you don't normally see in these types of movies, is, is what I'm getting at. Uh, even the thing with, like, Vinny and Fernando, who's the same person, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Nestor Serrano plays plays a person whose real name is Fernando, but goes by Vinny because that helps him get girls, for one. Um, and two, he doesn't want to confront his Puerto Rican heritage, and so he tries to pass off as Italian whenever possible. And, you know, because that helps him get girls, that kind of perpetuates the whole thing. It's like, you know, so he's, he's dealing with a lot of, like, racial identity within himself, of course. Yeah. Because he doesn't want his friends to say Fernando ever. Um, and, you know, Johnny, who's also Puerto Rican, is confronting him about that a lot. It's like, you know, hey, yes, you're going to let up. them say something? Yeah, because yeah. the, um, there's a point where Willie, Dougie Doug, is saying something about Puerto Ricans. Yeah, something about, like, it, it was the... They were catcalling these two teenage girls... Or possibly underage girls, and then like the father uh, yells at them and like throws bottles at the car as they drive off. Right. And Willie makes an offhand comment, to say, you know, trash Puerto Rican. Yes. Speaking and, specifically about that one person, and but then Johnny Johnny's like, well, is, hey, don't talk about our people like that. And then he goes to Fernando. He's like, Fernando, are you gonna let him talk like that? And he's like, whatever. Yeah, you know, he's like, no, my my name's Vinny. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it comes to the point where they all get arrested when they the car that they are using 
breaks down well they crash it's crashed it. into a wall <laughs> which that I mean, crash look, was f- funny it was funny i mean okay <laughs> yeah mario joiner's character tommy uh is is drunk driving he doesn't you know he doesn't appear drunk on film but you see him actively drinking and they say how many he's had in any given point and they're having a conversation and all of a sudden out of nowhere you, you get a cutaway of like dead end wall. road and it's just like a straight up brick wall and you hear him like give this really funny scream and then they crash the car into it yeah so then you know they're gonna call like triple a or whatever or some person truck, to yeah. impound his car and so now they have to just take the subway to wherever they want to go to like whatever party or the club or whatever and they all don't really have a lot of money so they all jump the turnstiles and that's when immediately immediately the cops cops just like come out from a door and take them and then they interrogate them in a room and the cops are well one of the cops is Italian and when he is confronting Fernando, he's like, on your ID, it says Fernando, but your friends keep calling you Vinny. Where does that come from? Uh-huh. And Fernando says, oh, it's just a nickname. They're like, well, where? how do you get Vinny from Fernando? And then they make up, like, all these funny names, like Furball or whatever the hell. Yeah, which I wasn't sure <laughs> if that was supposed to be, like, racial or derogatory. Or yeah. Or if that was, like, because um, I'm assuming it kind of was. I have no idea. But then but, he was like, okay, and the cop is like, well, what's your heritage? But, like, why even ask that? Whatever. And then they all... Well, again, yeah, I think it's just another example of, like, the... Um, just racism. Yeah, just, like, kind of like the, the loose, easygoing racism. Where right. it's, you know, we're not going to actively say these words, but... Yeah, you know, what are you? That that yeah. stupid question. Mm-hmm. Um... And all three of his friends look at him, like, and he goes, I'm Puerto Rican, and they're all shocked that he yeah. says that. And then, I don't even know why, but then he's like, yeah, I pretend, like, all of a sudden he just breaks down, he's like, yeah, I try to pretend to be Italian, and blah, blah, blah. And then the cop is like, I'm Italian. Yeah, like, you will never be as good as me. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, basically, just really shooting him down is like, you are inferior to me. Yeah. Like, you will never be as good as us Italians, basically. Which, yeah. So, I mean, and again, what, what I think is interesting about this movie is that it doesn't really confront a lot of that stuff. Like, a lot of these conversations are just sort of left out there at face value and they're not really confronted or pushed back on a whole lot. And, and I'm not even saying that it's a bad thing. I, I just think it's interesting to see a movie take that approach, which I think is probably realistic for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't want to be confrontational. You're not going to have, like, this big moment. Yeah, they... Even when you just get like pulled over or something yeah. and a cop is like oh your name is this but you don't it's just like you know being racial profiling right it's like oh well this is gonna happen to me again tonight yeah and then that's it mm-hmm. you know like okay i'll keep my mouth shut so it doesn't escalate further and then we'll be on our way and right go and to the diner and then complain about the cops but, when they're uh, i mean that one cop only gives Fernando, because he's like, I'm going to issue you a subpoena, and that scene ends. Right. 
And that's what, yeah, they go to the diner. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, like, the only time he really has to fully confront his Puerto Rican heritage is when he's, like... Yeah, when a cop asks him. Yeah. And I think everybody has that moment of having to come to terms with what they are, what they're trying to be. You know, this is sort of a coming-of-age movie for a lot of these people, even though a couple of them are post-college. I think the only one who doesn't really have that too much is Tommy, Mario Joyner's character. He's sort of pushed to the background a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even kind of says that in the movie where, um, you know, he's he's the chauffeur, he has the car, he also has a job, a, I guess, you know, a slightly better job than Johnny, who's the other one who is employed. Um, yeah, but he's like 18, right? Because he's Johnny, still in, yes. Yeah, he's... In high school, because in the beginning of the movie, his father is talking about... Uh, or just his boss. I don't even supposed to be oh, his father, really? honestly. Oh, well, that's weird. Because his boss slash father, I don't know, is telling him, you have to submit your scholarship by such and such day, by midnight or whatever. Yeah, you have until Monday. Yeah. So basically the weekend. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you can't wait another year because it'll be too late to do it. So, you know, get it in. And Johnny's really having a tough time. Like he doesn't if he know if he wants to go to college or not. with it at all. Yeah. And so both Vinny and Tommy have been in college. Tom graduated. Vinny was just there for a couple of weeks, we learned. Um, so there's there's a disparity. disparity there's disparate age between them. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, so, I mean... But, uh, yeah, so Mario's, like, older. Mario Joyner's character is older. He has the car. Um, his conflict, I guess, really comes from crashing the car, which really impacts all of them, so it's not really, like, his thing. Um, he has a, a girlfriend that they talk about in the beginning, and they go to meet. Uh, she cancels the date on him, and which allows him to drive them around all night and then she's is seen with another guy later on in the movie and so then he you know has to deal with like heartbreak for a minute and so he even talks about at one point like hey this is like you know everyone else is bickering around him and and tommy's like no this is this is my moment you Mm -hmm. know (laughs) like he was saying that just when i was starting to think in my mind like yeah he he really hasn't had like a he's been kind of pushed to the sidelines a lot dude yeah it's huge. I mean, the part where he he's telling Johnny that he went to college, and he's like, "Yeah, when I got out of college, I thought I would would have like a better job, and I'm just like a telemarketer." Yeah, and same same shitty opportunities. He, yeah, just four years later. Yeah, and he's probably like in debt with paying like whatever if he has to pay for college or yeah. whatever, and. um but he he also wants to be an actor so he said i will continue waiting for my big break no matter how long it takes yeah i i think what maybe hurts him a little bit is that he doesn't really get a chance to confront that part of him at all during the movie 
You know, like Willie has to confront his yeah, he just ways yeah, and his racist talk or you know like whatever anti whatever yeah, he got confronted by that woman he hit on, and then you've got Fernando who he's like a philandering like he doesn't really have a job either. He's just like taking advantage of all these women that are his pseudo girlfriends or whatever. Yeah, he basically just. And ask sort of them for them money. For money. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he, he gets a lot of food and, and money just from them by having a, a harem, as it were, and then they just give him stuff because he can sweet talk all of them or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you see, at the very end of the movie, he just continues to do, even though like his friends are like annoyed with that, or sort of confront him about that, and he, you see, at the end that he's just continuing to do that no matter what and then but yeah tommy he doesn't really have you don't see him he, like, there's not much that he has to change about himself like yeah but you don't you don't see him like going back to the main thing was just when he finds his girlfriend with on a date with someone else and then like, they have this talk, and she just says, yeah, I'm more interested in this guy, but whatever his name is, Frederick. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and that's that. And he's like, okay, fine. And that's when they want to go to the club. And he's like, I just want to, like, find a woman now. I don't, like, I want to get laid tonight. Right. But I don't yeah. think he does. Mm-mm. And then that was it for him. Like, but he wasn't, like, mad that he didn't find someone at the club no yeah i mean he was mad about willie right like they had their their blow up at the second diner yeah place it's like they're at the end of the movie it's like tom and willie have a blow up and then fernando and johnny have their blow up yeah and i don't think that fernando other. and johnny were all that close no i mean with. johnny is kind of like He's very timid. friends with Willie, and Willie's like, I won't hang out unless my friend Johnny comes along. Yeah, I think it's also interesting that this movie kind of shows it, not four best friends. It's but just four friends. Four friends and friends of friends kind of yeah. get together. I mean, just but, as which is like happen sometimes. Yeah, that happens like all the time, I guess. If you're hanging out with your friends, and it's like, oh, meet this person. That you sort of know because you're just kind of like acquaintances. Like, you know each other, but you're not friends with that person. But you just hang out because your friend hangs out with that person. Mm-hmm. And so that that does create some tension as well. And honestly, a lot of the... Um... They don't talk about, like, how they all met or no, became don't. friends or whatever. Or how they know each other. Which is fine. Which is, I mean, it's fine, but it, I would like to know, but whatever. Yeah, it'd be interesting if they gave a little bit of a clue at some point in the whole thing. Because it definitely doesn't seem like they've all known each other from however... A long time. Yeah. Age, because they're all different ages. Yeah. Um, I think it's also interesting that a lot of, like, the jokes and the humor and just a lot... Yeah, I don't know. A lot of... A lot of the conversations involve tearing other people down, right? Like, there's a difference between, like, ribbing people and, like, you know, gently making fun of them. But a lot of this is 
people trying to make themselves feel better by shitting on the other person Mm -hmm. and like really trying to tear them down at like the core of who they are um that's an interesting approach but again one that i don't think is wholly unrealistic you know I, i think that is something that that certain people do it's weird that all four of them kind of do that and you know like they're constantly nagging on willie about how he doesn't have any money and how he's like a bum who doesn't have a job they're constantly talking about how johnny's like this i don't know like taking advantage of timid women. loser basically oh know? johnny yeah um yeah they're and everyone's talking about yeah each other's like races and, and things like that of Vinny. making fun of yeah Vinny for all of his shit and it's not just like gentle ribbing where you can tell that they're friends. There seems to be like weird animosity amongst the entire group, like <laughs> against the entire group. Um, it, it's it's an odd way to go about comedy. And then you mix that with other situations where they have sitcommy comedy stuff happening, like when Tommy wants to talk to his lady friend about what's going on, and they all just are walking alongside them and yeah. Tommy's like oh Looking hey guys them. can you give me a minute and then they all just like turn around put their backs to them and then they all like you know turn their heads to look over their shoulder at the same time like yeah or when they go to, they see they're driving around they see a party and it's a Puerto Rican party mm-hmm. and they're they just invite themselves up and they're just like, well, just say that you know Juan. Juan, because, you know, there's at least someone by the name of Juan that's a Puerto Rican. And, you know, when they when they do open the door, they're like, who are you? And they're like, oh, Juan sent us. And they, it, there's like a, everyone stops the party and looks at them. And then the party starts again and they're like, okay, come in. But then that's when, like, Willie is more... He's, like, mostly confronted. They're like, okay, which Juan is it? And he's just naming random, you know, last names. And what's interesting is, like, that's... The the one time when he's being targeted because he's black... Yeah. ...is the only time where he's like, this isn't... This is because I'm black. No, he's trying to stay there and he's trying to eat the free food. Yeah. And so he's like not trying to confront anything. (laughs) And so he's like, you know, making up random last names and then looking around like, hey, did that one stick? No? Okay, let me try a different last name. And then eventually they all get kicked out. Um, But yeah, like the one time where he's specifically targeted because he's black. Yeah. Is is the time he doesn't say anything. Mm -hmm, Which, I don't know, I thought that was interesting i don't know why i mean it's probably purposeful Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's an interesting movie it's it's weird to see like these comedic conversations they're definitely you know again you have these comedy actors but it is a delicate blend i don't think that all the humor lands these days anymore not because of the content, but just because it's been 30 years and, you know... Yeah, I mean, it's... There were some parts where I was laughing, but it's just, um, you know, like in the beginning when Vinny... When we're introduced to Vinny slash Fernando, 
and he's getting like he wakes up and he all of a sudden the phone rings and it's like a different girl calling him like asking him to hang out that night mm-hmm. and he gets like three calls in a row until he just picks up the phone and hangs up he's like i don't want to talk to anyone but then as he's getting ready and willie comes to his door there's a woman there with like a tray of food saying oh i thought we were gonna hang in tonight yeah and she gives him the tray of food and he just puts it in the fridge but when he opens the fridge you see like 50 other trays of food in there yeah all all foil wrapped from other people right from his other women or whatever but then he's like, oh, um, you know, and then he makes up a story about how his friend Willie's father is sick and they got to go see him tonight. So I can't hang out tonight. But can you give us a few dollars? Right. And then, Will, you know, he's trying to, like, get Willie to just nod and agree with whatever he's coming up with. And Willie's like, oh, yeah, my, my dad's dying and whatever. And you just see the woman going, oh, you're so sweet, and gives him money, and that's that. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the scenes are humorous. I, they, I didn't think they were all that, like, laugh-out-loud funny anymore right. because you can kind of see where they're going most of the time. Um, I think that's what I had a problem with. Or, like, when they're in the Peep Show, which, again, is very sitcom-y. Even though right. you would never really have... The whole thing with the quarter, like, yeah, they couldn't... where they're all cramming into one booth because they don't have money, so they're all trying to share this one quarter to watch this adult movie in, in the That lasts, show. like, 30 seconds. It lasts, like, something. 30 seconds, but it's a crucial piece of information within the movie. Yeah. And, you know, there's just, like, a bunch of, you know, zany, madcap comedy where right. someone drops I dropped the quarter, the quarter and, and, okay, and... everybody out, everybody back in. And yeah, I dropped the quarter, together. and they're like, oh, well, I can't pick it up. Like, it's close to so-and-so's foot and whatever. You better not press up against me and all this kind of stuff. Right. So, um, very sitcom type of humor at times, too, that, again, like, as packaged as a whole, it's more entertaining than we're making it sound. Yeah. But, you know, taking individual sequences out, <laughs> it's tougher. <laughs> I, I think this movie does a really good job of keeping things alive and keeping things progressing. The from one scene thing to that it, there was, like, the thing that I do like is so Johnny has a crush on this girl that comes into his grocery store, Daria. Mm-hmm. And that when they do go to that whatever porn store like what like a peep show type of thing Mm -hmm. and when they watch that porn for 30 seconds she's in it and he's like shocked yeah his world is rocked yeah he he, because he thinks she's a good girl but i'm like i'm glad so then fast forward to when they're in the club she's in the club and then he sees Vinny slash Fernando dancing with her and he just gets like immediately mad like no you can't dance with her like she's mine yeah but very possessive yep. very, even though like they are not together he just has this like incel crush on her and and I like what she did she's like you don't own me I can do whatever I want which is true mm-hmm. and it's like you made me to be 
I mean, she can do whatever she wants. It, well, even before that, like when Willie is talking to him about the whole thing after the car had crashed. Yeah. He's, like, Willie's basically saying, like, look, don't hate her for what you were thinking. Like, did she come up to you and say that she was virginal and yeah, clean? Yeah, exactly. Like, no. Okay, well, you know, that's not her fault that you projected all these things onto her. So mm-hmm. don't hate her for that. Exactly, yeah. And then, just like, he has this incel mentality, which I'm glad she, like, they brought her back at the end of the movie for her to, like, stick up for herself. Yeah. And, and, um, Johnny also sticks up for himself, too, because that kind of brings the whole situation with, with Vinny to a head, because they both leave the club. Well, Johnny leaves the club out of anger, and then right. Vinny Fernando follows, um, and basically he's like, hey, what the hell is your problem? What's going on? And that's when he says, look, that was the girl that I had the crush on. Yeah. He's like, oh, the girl from the whatever. The, the, the movie. The movie. The we movie didn't, one. like, you know. And so, like, he's, it was, it was part of, like, that possessive mentality and also part of, like, I don't want this womanizer... Like, with I, my I, woman, yeah, even though with, it's with not the one his that woman. I want, you know, yeah. he should know that I'm trying to go after this person and not step in. Like, mm-hmm. you should be a friend. Even you though, be a bro like, or whatever. But, you know, nobody knows. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, like, they, and then it gets to the whole root of the issue with them, and then Johnny. They fight. Beats him up. Right. Um, and then leaves Fernando just laying in like a under a bridge somewhere near the club yeah but even early like earlier in the movie after their car crashes they go to a diner fernando slash Vinny is hitting on these two girls that walk in and they're just like ugh, leave us alone and they go to like a different part of the diner where johnny is sitting with willie like willie and john have like a little well Willie has a fight with Vinny earlier in that thing because Vinny's talking about how Willie doesn't pay for anything, how he doesn't have a job, and how he's like a mooch. Mm. But meanwhile, Vinny's the exact same thing. Yeah. The difference is... He's mooching off of women. He's mooching off of women, whereas Willie is on welfare. Yeah, and Willie is mostly mooching off of Tom. And so again, it is that thing is like, oh, it's because I'm black. Mm -hmm. Which is literally true in the case of Vinny and, and Willie is like hey yeah this is I'm being treated differently because of the way I'm doing it and who I am when you're doing the exact same thing that you're shitting on me for mm-hmm. so they, they they separate within the diner like Tom and Fernando Vinny are at a booth and then Johnny and Willie are sitting at like the bar area of the diner and those two girls move from the booth to the bar area. They sit next to Johnny and Willie. And then one of the girls, her name is Luna, they just start talking. Like, Johnny's just like, oh, don't pay them any mind and blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, are they friends of yours? And he's like, not really. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, not exactly. <clears throat> yeah. But it's like, I know them. And then, you know, they, they bond a little. And she's like, oh, do you want to come play pool with me and my friends so they do and then that's when like Vinny, Willie, Tom follow them into like this pool hall and it's like Johnny and this 
uh, girl. They're they're like having a good conversation. Yeah. About their lives. She's a college. She's in college, and then she's talking about her life, her upbringing, and he's talking about his. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that night, she gives him his her number. Yeah. And the other friend, Lila, is the one that calls. Willie yeah, out her friend is the one that the calls thing. out Willie for not voting or doing anything about anything. Yeah. And he confronts her because he said that she dresses white. Right. Yeah, that's that's the kind of weird stuff I would hear at school, with people like yeah, trying to act white by doing certain things or trying to whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, but I think the, the movie does a really good job of jumping from scene to scene because nothing really lasts too long. They're in a whole bunch of different locations and a whole bunch of different scenarios at any given time. And it's all very natural seeming. Yes, a lot happens and a lot of weird stuff happens in a sense, meaning, but like nothing's like out of bounds. It's not like career opportunities or something like that where, you know, like, oh, here's this out of nowhere unusual circumstance like no you have a car crash you're crashing yeah i mean this is probably what happens on a typical weekend night with like anyone yeah with any group of friends so it's a bunch of like weird disasters or setbacks and all these different things but it all seems very natural and i think the movie does a really good job of flowing in and out of all those things um and making all those scenes unique but also tied together pretty well I'm trying to think, like, it, it's just, it's interesting to me again, like, this is a movie about friends, but they just, yeah, they, they're all just, like, punching down on each other <laughs> to lift but themselves I think up. friends do sometimes? Somewhat, but yeah. I don't know. Like, give each other shit? Yeah. Sometimes? I don't know. I, I, I wish, I wish there was a little bit of an epilogue to the movie, though. I wish we would have gotten to know like what happened afterwards i mean we sort we see we get to see the morning after it's mostly johnny like this is mostly his story we see johnny just go back after that fight he goes home he sees that scholarship and then he just like goes and mails it (laughs) i guess so yeah and he sees the number in the matchbook fall out his pocket he's like oh yeah i do have opportunities right he sort of like forgot all about luna yeah when so he got raged by the daria thing mm-hmm. but that's we see that's that a, for him yeah that's about it i mean we see we see Vinny wake up in the morning still on the concrete of the the street and, and he just sees a woman walking a dog and he automatically follows her so he's just like back to his ways yeah his philandering ways but we i don't know what i mean the the t- the tom and willie yeah it, it seemed fight didn't really resolve because we saw them fighting inside the club and then fernando johnny outside the club i i have the feeling that like they just like made up and went back home together or something well no because like after okay after Vinny and, and johnny had their fight we see the the scene in the the diner with tom and willie where Tom buys a sandwich, refuses to buy Willie anything else because he's uh, like, okay, "Look, yeah, you've, yeah. I've so they're back paid out the all of this. 
It's a different, yeah, it's a different Yeah, one. different, yeah. Um, like, I've paid out all of this. You don't have a dime. You haven't had a dime all night, right? Like, and, and like, you're, you keep expecting things of me just because I have a job, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, and he has this very big moment where he's like, you are a mooch. You are a bum. Like, you are doing this, and this is unfair to me. Like, I have dreams. I have responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And I'm not responsible for you as a yeah. human being. Yeah. Like, do something. Because at the very beginning of the movie, that's you like, see... Yeah, that's very good. Because, like, you do... Good. Sometimes you do have a friend that mooches off you, and it's annoying. And this is the one that's been doing it all along. And yeah. Like, you know, they've been talking about it off and on all night. Uh, but this is sort of, like, the actual, like, point where it comes to a head, and he's basically like, look, I, this is this is no longer playful talk. This is, like, honest, like, full-on right. honest, like, I'm sick of it. Get your own stuff. Mm-hmm. Get your shit together, because like, you're going to be... this is the last time I'm going to do this. Exactly. Whatever. Um, because, yeah, like, we see, we see Willie at the very beginning of the movie in the welfare office talking to his caseworker, and... You know, basically, she offers jobs, but he's yeah, he's just like he, he's not going to any of the job placement stuff that they give him. And then she's like, "Well, you're going to run out of your benefits because you're not going to these things, mm-hmm. and you need to go to these things if you want anything." Like, yeah, like we know you don't want to clean toilets, but hey, this is your option. Mm-hmm. And you know, his response because this is like the first scene. It's like, well, it's because I'm black, right? Yeah, right. Um, so this is where, yeah, (laughs) you know, they, they have that, that, and then they just separate. So you get, you get the impression that maybe none of them are going to see each other again. Oh, that was like their last night out. Yeah. You kind of get that impression. Mm. But I wish I would have seen what would have happened. Like afterwards. Yeah. Like like, three months later. You get to know these people well enough that like, I want to know. Like Johnny got accepted to school. Yeah. Did Tom get like a weird bit part in some movie? Yeah. Willie got a job as whatever. And Fernando's still doing his shit. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Could have been something like that. Would have been. Yeah. I I know I don't normally want that for movies, but this is one of those that I think it would have been. It would have been kind of nice, honestly. Um, But I think what we got instead. Is, is a very subtle thing where the movie at the end is dedicated to all of uh, Joseph. The, Joseph B. Vasquez's friends and it lists them all and right. it says God bless you all wherever you are and I think that says a lot about this movie as well it's like you get, be, you, you get to be so close with certain people at certain times in your life and then they just like he had some major friend breakups <laughs> yeah and it's like a moment in time he's like this is dedicated to you i still like you yeah even though we don't hang out anymore yeah i have no idea where you are what you're doing but god bless look you. you were still important to me at yeah. a certain time and yeah things things happen and sometimes you don't stay close with people and i think this movie really encapsulates encapsulates that type of a a situation in, in a one night thing so let's talk about some of the cast and crew here. Uh, Joseph B. Vasquez, the director and writer, he also did a movie uh, that released in 1991 called The Bronx War. That was actually done first and uh, got him the attention of New Line Cinema, which uh, helped him with, with this movie. He also 
did uh, two other movies called Street Hits, and then Manhattan Merengue was his last one. He also wrote a segment in the 1996 movie Riot, and then IMDb has, has him credited as writing a 2013 movie called The House That Jack Built. I think that's wrong, because he passed away from AIDS complications in 1995. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently there was a major accident. I don't know if you're planning on talking about this during the pop culture stuff. No. Okay. Uh, apparently during the making of this movie, he was attacked on the subway. He had his face slashed. Oh. Uh, through a, from a knife attack and after that time his mentality has completely changed from what people were saying about uh, him see I have something else where I mean he he grew up in the Bronx and he was the son of two heroin addicts yeah and that maybe is why he also has AIDS like he is he himself is also a drug addict we don't from what i was reading like i only saw a little bit which was mostly like a entertainment weekly obituary from like 1996 97 Mm -hmm. a couple years later where they talked about some of the people and basically like the the rising quick fall of him yeah and Um, he was arrested not too long after this movie but that info said that he did not do drugs at all that he was very promiscuous like Vinny was uh okay but he did not so drugs. like this movie is probably like different parts of himself. Yeah, I saw like a few different quotes where he said that like the part of Vinny was based off of him, but I also saw things that said the part of Johnny was based off of him and things that said that the part of Willie was based off of him. Yeah, so he's like basing each character on himself. On parts of himself. Yeah. And I also saw that he was arrested for this is like after the movie was released. He was arrested for running naked through an apartment building, mm-hmm. and then he was later diagnosed with manic depressive disorder. So I mean, yeah, from from what I was mm-hmm. reading, basically like this attack that happened during the making of this movie really caused a tonal shift in him, and then afterwards he had a really contentious um, relationship with the cast and the crew that wasn't there before, mm-hmm. and part of that was that he wanted to be an actor himself, like Tom. So yeah. there's another part of it right there. Um, and he really wanted to actually be the Vinny Fernando character. He wanted to cast Play himself that. as that role. Yeah. And it just, you know, it, it didn't happen from the studio standpoint. And so now when he got attacked and his face was slashed, mm-hmm. he's like, okay, well now my acting aspirations are completely shot to shit. And so he like lost a part of himself and he just kind of spiraled downward. He tried to be controversial, said a lot of things that didn't make sense. Um sort of like related to drugs at one point he said thank you to new line you have the best drugs in town but again mm-hmm. like nothing from anyone who knew him said that he was taking drugs ever so like he was really just burning bridges left and right yeah it's, and it's... you know um went into this big big spiraling situation until he passed away from AIDS. and who knows when he was diagnosed with some of that info uh, you know and that might have compounded things or, or led to it as well if he was secretly hiding this uh, disease that was probably going to kill him and who knows right. how long. So, very un- unfortunate fall because this movie shows a ton of potential. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that, that's Joseph B. Vasquez, the director and writer. Uh, Dougie Doug played Willie Stevens. Image Award nominated three times over for the the 
sitcom Cosby. Not the Cosby show, but the follow-up one that happened later on. Uh, Cosby. He was also in Mo' Better Blues, Class Act, Cool Runnings, where I think most people probably know him from. He's one of the people in Cool Runnings. Dr. Giggles, That Darn Cat, and Eight-Legged Freaks. And also he had a, a, a flourishing stand-up career at that time. Mario Joyner, also very prominent as a stand-up comedian. I think that's what he mostly does still as well. He does do some writing for other things. Uh, he's been in Three Men and a Baby, Sergeant Kabuki Man, a lot of Chris Rock stuff because he was part of the Chris Rock show and, and um, part of that staff. Uh, so he's been in Down to Earth, Head of State, and Pootie Tang. Uh, Nestor Serrano was Vinny and Fernando. He did a couple of TV episodes in 1991 for the shows Love, Lies, and Murder, which I don't think we've talked about. No. Uh, and then also The Commish. He was in an episode of The Commish. Um, he's also been in things like Lethal Weapon 2, Brenda Starr, Bad Boys, Negotiator, and The Day After Tomorrow. He's had a very steady career in, in you know, character parts. Um, John Leguizamo played Johnny. In 1991, the movies that we have not seen yet that he has been in are uh, NYPD Mounted, which I don't think is on our list probably because I don't think it's available anywhere. Um, also Poison. And then in 1991, he also had his Mambo Mouth special, which I think was his very first televised yeah that's what i remember comedy special from he has you know done a few others like freak uh he had the house of buggin tv show as well um he won an emmy for freak um the pest the movie the pest he was emmy nominated for waco and also nominated for when they see us golden globe nominations for Tu wong fu thanks for everything julie newmar uh and he's had a very prolific and, and interesting diverse career which i think is something that's um, is a little surprising. I think people tend to get typecast a lot, and I think he's been able to avoid a lot of that. <laughs> but, yeah. But interestingly, in Super Mario Brothers, uh, doesn't he play an Italian? Yes. <laughs> so, I mean... I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie, so maybe he doesn't, <laughs> but I, if he is Luigi... Anyway, um, he's been... I mean, neither one of them are Italians. Bob, no, but I mean, that, Bob that's, that's sort of the point. Hoskins is also not Italian. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, Super Mario Brothers, Carlito's Way, Romeo and Juliet, Spawn, Moulin Rouge. He's Sid in the Ice Age franchise. Uh, he was on a, several episodes of ER, John Wick 1 and 2, Encanto, and The Menu. So... We also have Kimberly Russell, who played Vanessa, the girlfriend who canceled on Tommy. Um, she's been in Ghost Dad. She was Sarah on Head of the Class, which ran for 114 episodes. And in Sugar Hill, the game, and uh, she's currently not acting a whole lot. She does a couple things here and there, but mostly she's raising eight children, five of which were adopted. Luna was played by Mary B. Ward. Um, she has not done a whole lot since, but she's been in things like Playing for Keeps and Surviving Desire. And she was also on a show called TV 101, which is like a sitcom about like a high school class, um, like some teacher trying to teach the kids about like video production. It is was that in the like... 80s, late 80s. Oh, uh, did, did you have like channel one when you were like in school? Did you ever watch? I think it's, channel... I think it's based off of that type of a thing. That, okay. Yeah. But uh, not only was she in that, but also that... That classroom of students featured Stacy Dash, Matt LeBlanc, and Terry Polo. 
Okay. It only lasted for 17 episodes. Um, I, the caseworker was Latanya Richardson Jackson, wife of Samuel L. Jackson, who we just recently saw in Chimel Fever. Um, she's been in 1991 movies Super and Fried Green Tomatoes. She's also been in Juice, Malcolm X, Sleepless in Seattle, U.S. Marshals, Blue Bloods. Um, I also want to quickly mention that we have Reggie Montgomery as Rasta. He was the guy who like helped him get into the club. Yeah. Which was a weird character, but anyway. Um, I thought he was like some supernatural type of being or something. Yeah. Because like, he just appeared and was like, hey, you guys want to get in the club? Give me $5. Yeah, I can get you Like in. I thought he would just appear and then for them to get in and then disappear. But then he appeared in the club. He appeared in the club and he gave them a ride home yeah. at the end of the night. Or to that diner at the end of the night. Yeah. Um, yeah, played by Reggie Montgomery. He'd been, he's been in things like They Call Me Bruce and Malcolm X. He's also very much a stage actor, or was at the time. He's passed away. Um, he was also one of the very first black clowns for Ringling Brothers' Barnum & Bailey Circus. And then also, uh, a compatriot of Reggie Montgomery is Denitra Vance, who I didn't see in the movie. I want to try to find her in the screenshots, hopefully. I don't think she has a line. She's credited as pool hall couple. So they were in. The They're in the pool, pool hall scene. scene. <laughs> so I'll be looking I mean, there. Someone in the background. Anyway, um, she's in Little Man Tate and Jumping at the Boneyard as well. Uh, been in things like War of the Roses, Limit Up, and Sticky Fingers. But um, that name jumped out at me because she was the first black female cast member of SNL back in 1985 and 1986. Mm. Uh, mm. She, you know, the, the same year with Robert Downey Jr. And, like, the first year of, like, John Lovitz and, and a few of those. The weird weir. The, yeah. the weird year of SNL with a bunch of, like, movie stars instead. Um, and she did a very prominent sketch near the end of her tenure where she sang a song about how she was typecast as, like, the maid and, mm -hmm. and everything. Um, she also has an NAACP award for the Colored Museum in L.A. with Reggie Montgomery. And she passed away in 1994 from breast cancer. In terms of awards for this movie, it's a Sundance feature, like we said. It won the Waldo Salt Screenwriting Award, along with Hal Hartley for Trust. It was also nominated for the Grand Jury Prize, but lost to the, to the movie Poison. At the Spirit, nomination, uh, Spirit Awards, it was nominated for several different things. Best Music, Screenplay, Supporting Female for Mary B. Ward, Male Lead for Dougie Doug, Best Director and Best Feature, but it did not win anything. So. On to true crime and pop culture we go. Okay, so this movie was released on April 5th, 1991, which was a Friday. And I have something tv wise Ooh. that we haven't talked about we haven't talked about tv in a while no but you know the it's not love lies and murder is it no okay. <laughs> i haven't seen that yet but you know you have the typical tgif lineup this is the springtime so everything's new it was full house family matters perfect strangers and baby talk but on NBC, there was a series called 
It's a Disney Presents. So it's Disney Presents The 100 Lives of Blackjack Savage. It's an American fantasy comedy drama that was on NBC from March 31st to May 26, 1991. So this was the second episode that was on or aired. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is a series that follows the story of Black Jack Savage, who is played by Stephen Williams. Stephen Williams is, he's known as Captain Fuller in 21 Jump Jump Street, the show. And he was also in 22 Jump Street, the movie. Okay, he had a cameo in that. Yeah. And he's also known as Lieutenant Burnett in The Equalizer. He was Mr. X in The X-Files. Okay. We haven't gone that far, I don't think, on our X-Files watch. Maybe not. But, and then he's also known as Rufus in Supernatural. So, I mean, he's still he's, doing he's, stuff. Yeah, he's had a good string. Yeah. So, he, Blackjack Savage, he is the ghost of a legendary 17th century pirate who teams up with Barry Tarberry. Okay, that sounds... <laughs> I know. Sounds dangerous, okay? <laughs> yeah. Played by Daniel Hugh Kelly. So Daniel Hugh K- Kelly, he is mostly known for doing a lot of Broadway and off-Broadway, but he was the dad in The Good Son, Macaulay's dad. I've not seen that since video. And he was also in All My Children, but he did a lot of random cameo spots in like TV shows in the 80s and 90s. Okay. So Barry Tarberry is a crooked Wall Street con artist who has escaped trial by coming to the Caribbean, and he faces eternal damnation. So both him and Black Jack Savage discover that they need to save 100 lives to compensate for the damage done by their sinful lives and thus save their own souls. So it's like My Name is Earl prequel. You know how My Name is Earl is about him going around trying to right his wrongs? Yeah, but he has like this ghost. (laughs) He has a a ghost of a a pirate Yeah, instead of a list, he has a ghost. Yeah. (laughs) And this is like a Disney Presents. Come on, Disney Plus. Let's Let's put this on the air. If is I don't know if this is on Disney. I Plus, doubt it is. It's only it's only seven episodes. It was just like a seven episode thing, and um, Stephen Heitner was in it. Do you know who Stephen Heitner is? That name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. He's mostly known as I don't know his name, but he's the old teen guy in Seinfeld, the guy that makes the the round teen. I know you didn't watch Seinfeld that much. Not much. He's like this wannabe comic that always gets on Jerry's nerves. And he, th- this is like an iconic one. He's he, been he has in like a, the bigger mouth, right? And the wider eyes. Yeah, he's like, it's gold, Jerry, yeah, gold, yeah, yeah, yeah. that guy. Yeah. Where he makes the, this joke where he's like, what's the deal with Ovaltine? The mug is round, the jar is round, so why not call it round teen? Yeah. <laughs> so that's Steve Heitner. Okay. <laughs> But <laughs> and he's he's a ghost. He, he's one no, of the people he I don't has know. He play he plays. He's someone else in that show, so I don't know who he is. But I just and then Roma Downey is in it. Okay. 
So that's episode two. That was episode two <laughs> okay. that was on April fifth, nineteen ninety one. And then I'm gonna talk about the soundtrack because we we didn't really talk about the music. No, we didn't. I mean, it was what you'd kind of expect to hear for the most part. I mean, the the first song that is playing in the credits is "The Power" by Snap. Uh huh. But it's like a remix. And then I saw that the person that's responsible for the music in this movie is Mick Mars. Do you mm-hmm. know who Mick Mars mm-hmm. is? No, I actually didn't look him up. Oh, he's the guitarist of Motley Crue. Oh, so that's how the two live crew? Yes. The that They have a Dr. Feelgood slash uh, Hanging with the... It's called Hanging with the Homeboys and Dr. Feelgood. And that's two live crew... With Mick Mars playing kind of like, you know, when Run DMC and Aerosmith did Walk This Way. It's like, yeah. you know, rock with rap. Yeah. And that, that song is played, that's like the song that's played a lot throughout the movie. Hanging with the times. Homeboys and Dr. Yeah. Feelgood. When it first came on, that was right when they went into Manhattan. Because they start in the South Bronx and then they meet with this guy called Louie Louie who, yeah. like, only shows up for this one scene, but he's like this character with tons of jewelry and everything. He's like, no, Brooklyn's the spot. You gotta go to my hand. Gotta go to Brooklyn. Yeah, so yeah. They, they cross the bridge, and then that's when you hear it. And Willie doesn't want to go there because Manhattan's full of white people. Mm. And and so, like, I thought that was, like, this... I thought that was a commentary on, like, the blend of, like... Oh, white, white with white black. black and, like, cultural appropriation or something. I thought that's what it was yeah, I mean, it's trying just to say at the time. Interesting that he was responsible for the music because it's yeah. all pretty much rap that's being played throughout the entire movie except for this Dr. Feelgood crossover. Yeah, I don't know how much original score there was in this. I wasn't really paying attention. And it's not that. really. It's a lot of two live crew in it. Yeah. And um I mean the soundtrack there isn't too much. I mean the soundtrack didn't chart or anything. It was just released in January of 91, like when this movie was in Sundance. Sure. And then I just wanted to mention the Two Live Crew, Dr. Feelgood song. Yeah, that was an interesting like combo. Mix. Yeah. Like, honestly, the I've never rap heard part, it. No, I didn't hear it. The rap part was fine. Right. But it, having the Dr. Feelgood hook come in was awkward. Yeah. So on to rankings and ratings. Where on your one to five star scale are you going to put Hanging with the Homeboys? I'm going to give this movie a three. I'm, I'm there too. On my zero to four star scale, I'm going to give it a three. I think it has, uh, you know, like we said, a lot of potential. I mean, this movie has 93% in Rotten Tomatoes, so I mean, it's a good movie. I could see it resonating a lot better with different people than me. Um... I it kept my attention. I was interested to see what was going to happen yeah. next. I think again the pacing was was fantastic in there. The acting we you know we mentioned yeah. all the character names. Acting is all great. Um, but yeah, like it, it's. I think if I would have seen it back then, it would have had more of a punch. Um, like when you were in high school or something. Yeah, maybe like, yeah, like more formative years. It might have yeah. had a little bit more of an impact now that I'm older and have had other movies present some of these same things to me in different ways it yeah. doesn't hit as hard mm-hmm. um 
but it's still I can I can understand the appeal. I understand why it got the attention in Sundance and, and you know um, everything. So I'm saying three out of four for me. Every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch this again? Yeah, I would watch this again. I would too. Like like I said, like it's 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 more fun than what we're really discussing too. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's I'm not like not super funny, but like it's still fun. I like though... movies that take place over like an overnight movie. Right. I like movies like that. And it's just a bunch of like antics, and again, everything is very grounded in reality in terms of like how it progresses and everything. I think that helps a lot too. It's sort of like I can't hardly wait in uh-huh. that way. Um, so yeah, I would definitely watch this again. If you out there want to watch Hanging with the Homeboys as of this recording in February 2023, it's available on digital rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991movierewind. Or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're finally at episode 100 and so we're going to be watching Terminator 2 Judgment Day with the T-1000. That's available on HBO Max, digital rental, VHS, or DVD. We will see you again. Thanks.